Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Australia and welcome to another Tuesday evening teaching. We're glad you're here with us and you know what? If you're looking for a new church and you're on the Gold Coast, come and join us. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach and we'd love to see you there. We're a friendly church and we preach the word of the Lord and that's, that's all you should be looking for if you're looking for a new church home. But before we go any further, as we do every week, join me in the Lord's Prayer. Because when the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray, this is what he said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Messages for the modern world from an ancient prophet is the theme that we're working through. And it's based on Ezekiel's prophecies. Now this prophet lived in a foreign country during perilous times. But he found God to be very real and present, just as we can find him today. And today we're talking about the shepherds and the flock. The text we're concentrating on is Ezekiel 34 verses 11 and 12. Let's read them together. It talks about God, the true shepherd. Now I'm reading from the New King James Version. And if you've got your Bible with you, open it up and let's read it together. Verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And the scriptures that we're working through are Ezekiel 34, 2 through to 30. Now bear with me, I know there's quite a bit of scripture there, but let's read it together. Son of man, we're starting in verse 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Verse 3. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak have not strengthened. Sorry, the weak you have not strengthened. Nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. The sheep, sorry, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. Now this is a timely message. We've just had an election here in Australia. Verse 7. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because of my flock became a prey, and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock. But the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, 
and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. And from verse 11, it starts talking about God, the true shepherd. These are our verses for the day. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them to their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. Verse 14, I will feed them in good pasture. And their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down on a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you may tread down, or you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture, and to have drunk of the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep. Verse 21, Because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock. And they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. He said that twice now. I will judge between sheep and sheep. Verse 23. I will establish one shepherd over them. And he will feed them. My servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I the Lord will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them. I the Lord God have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause the wild beasts to cease from their land and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Verse 26, I will make them and all the places around my hill a blessing and I will cause showers to come down in the season. There shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am Lord when they have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. We're almost there. Verse 28. And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall beasts of the field, sorry, beasts of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. I will raise up for them a garden of renown. And they shall no longer be consumed with the hunger of the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles any more. Thus they shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord 
God. I know it's a lengthy piece of scripture, but let's break it down. If Ezekiel would enter our modern day churches and he changed his eastern robes for a 21st century business suit and speak to us the message recorded in the 34th chapter of this prophecy, we could be certain that he'd been watching the news. He was watching what was going on in the world. The piercing message of this chapter deals with all things politics. Now, politics to Ezekiel didn't mean what it's come to mean in our generation. His concern was with the art or the science of government, both from the standpoint of the governor and the government and the governed. And the shocking revelation that he would deliver is that God is intimately concerned with this type of politics. Not only, said Ezekiel, is God concerned with the shepherds and the mayors and the premiers and the prime ministers and their abuse of power, but he is equally concerned when the sheep, the people like you and me, fail to respect the divinely ordained powers that govern us or when we make life miserable for one another. God judges the shepherd and he also judges the sheep. The emphasis of Ezekiel's message is really simple. He dealt first with the shepherds, the rulers, the overseers of the people, and especially scolding are his words to those rulers who neglect their sheep and exploit them and manipulate them and even abandon them. But second, Ezekiel dealt with the sheep themselves. While all the people were nodding their heads vigorously in approval of all that was he was saying about the rulers, the searchlight, the spotlight, was abruptly turned upon them. And in a painful and specific detail, Ezekiel dealt with the attitudes and the conduct of the people, the sheep. Firstly, he dealt with the shepherds. The shepherds are those charged with the awesome responsibility of governing the people and providing some semblance of security and stability. This is our first point today. Firstly, he dealt with the shepherds. In one of his letters, the Apostle Paul made this seemingly strange statement. He said, the powers that be are ordained by God. When Paul wrote that, Christians all over the Roman Empire were being persecuted because of their faith in God. They were being discriminated against socially. Yet Paul wrote those words to these maligned followers of Christ. The powers that be are ordained by God. And who was the emperor at the time? It was Nero, one of the bloodiest and most inhumane rulers who ever sat on a throne. And of course, Paul didn't mean that Nero's action, actions and methods of ruling were inspired by God. He didn't mean that at all. He meant simply that civil government is a necessary and important part of God's plan for the world. But what kind of civil government does God smile upon? In a rather brilliant analysis, Aristotle wrote that there's three forms of civil government that are possible. First, in a monarchy, one person rules. Second, in a democracy, all rule. And third, in an aristocracy, ideally the few who are best qualified govern. And after showing the strengths and weaknesses in each of these systems, Aristotle went on to declare that any form of government 
is endangered by excess of itself. Let me tell you, small government is good. Big government is bad. The monarchy can degenerate into tyranny. We've seen that. We look through history. Democracy can become the fickle, impulsive whim of a mob. We see that right now, where minorities are telling the majority how we should live and what we should do and what we should believe. And the aristocracy can fritter out its life in an endless series of committee meetings. Yet in spite of the inevitable human imperfections of government, it is still part of God's plan for the world that his children live under some form of civil government. But here Ezekiel again in verse 34 too, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Under God, the first task of civil government is to provide order and to create a climate, an atmosphere if you will, in which the people can pursue their lives peaceably. It's rather interesting that nowhere in his instructions did Ezekiel say that government should be involved in managing business or agriculture. But that's what we're seeing, right? Government wants to be in every part of our lives. Business people and farmers, by and large, do a much better job than government ever could. But always, in every society, there are those who fall by the wayside. They're weak. They're not sure of themselves. They cannot fend for themselves. They might be handicapped, the sick and the weak. But alas, a public servant is elected. He enters his arena of service like a shining knight on a white horse with every good intention of saving the people who elected him. Many times, but not every time, thank God, this shepherd discovers that he can feed himself while he feeds himself, while he feeds his sheep. You ever notice that politicians are often quite wealthy when they leave politics? They weren't necessarily wealthy when they started. Inevitably, it becomes increasingly enjoyable to add to his own comfort and to strengthen his own security while these sheep start to suffer and to be neglected and to ultimately to be hungry with themselves. Second point today is when Ezekiel was finished with the shepherds, he turned to the sheep. And this brings us to the balancing side of Ezekiel's message. The sheep who'd been listening on the sidelines while Ezekiel took the leaders to task were by this time probably feeling pretty smug and justified. But then just imagine Ezekiel turning around and facing the cheering mob with these words, and as for you, my flock, it was their time now. And the laughter was gone. The smugness was gone. We might paraphrase Ezekiel's words to fit the language of today. He may have said something like this. Now hear this, you who call yourselves children of God. The time has come for me to determine who will be men and who will be mice. Those who will shoulder responsibility and those who will pass the buck. Which one do you want to be? Already Ezekiel had exposed, exposed the false and hypocritical shepherds who had scattered the flock. They'd sown seeds of distrust and caused disillusionment with life in general. They'd created a massive credibility gap between the people and the leaders. And a moral twilight had settled over the land. And no one trusted his brother anymore. 
So through his prophet, God was saying to the society of the cynical, don't sit in the seat of scorn of the scornful. You may indeed have, have come to the time when you, you feel you can't trust anyone, but remember, I have not forsaken you. I will seek out those who have lost their way, and I will lead them back to the fold, those who have strayed, those who have been deeply hurt. I will heal. And the time will come when those who have them made themselves fat and strong through deceit and wrongdoing will be destroyed. Jesus took Ezekiel's beautiful picture of the shepherd and the sheep, God's sheep, and gave to us some of the most beautiful and beloved parables. And what is the lesson behind it all? God knows what is going on in his world. Coronavirus was not a surprise to God. Some of the tyrannical governments that we have around the world were not a surprise to God. He knows what's going on in his world. He's not an absentee landlord or a powerless God who must forever stand idly by and watch evil men destroy all that is good and decent and moral in human affairs. <coughs> That's not him. But at the same time, the sheep, the people, you and me, must share in the responsibility. As much as we would prefer it, we cannot heap all of the blame for our current dilemma on the heads of our leaders. We are part of the fabric of our nations. The threads of our woven lives are interwoven. And the strength of our nation is dependent on the interlocking faith of the people of God. Let me say that again. The strength of our nation is dependent on the interlocking faith of the people of God. When nations move away from God, they become weak. As I finish up, I can hear you saying, but what can I do? I can search my own heart and life. You can search your own heart and life. You can examine your own attitudes. And we can pray that God will begin to do a work in our hearts that will change our, our life and our attitudes toward our country and toward our fellow humans. And when that happens, the influence of my changed life and your changed life will touch another life and the irreversible chain reaction will have begun. So what of the future? Has the momentum of our irresponsibility gained such speed in its slide towards self-destruction that we have passed the point of no return? Many will say it has. Have so many so defiled themselves and so committed themselves to the accumulating of things that there is no way to stem the tide? Have we lost altogether the true meaning of sacrifice? No one knows what tomorrow holds for you, for me, for our nation. But we do know that there are two paths we can travel. One path offers tantalizing visions of material plenty and luxury and, and prosperity. But then comes the dark after that. That is the pathway of self. I've been there. The other pathway is a pathway of faith that we may well be led to a cross. But after the cross, there'll be eternal light and eternal life. God is at work in his world. 
He wants to involve us in his plans. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to let him be involved in your plans? Or are you going to ignore him? That's what I want you to think about right now over these coming weeks. And I really want to encourage you to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us that we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because you know what? God is a redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for him and he can make you whole, spirit, soul and body if you allow him to. And you're important to God. You know that already, but you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And we're believing this year, 2022, is a year of repentance and blessings. So if you want to see those blessings flowing, start repenting. Start getting on the path that God's got for you. And until next time, stay in the blessings. Mm -hmm.